You know what though? It's like it's crazy because you and I both think of the same way. I, I'm the same boat. I was expecting them to lose that game. I was. Expe- I mean, listen. I was trying to look for the 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 good news early on when like uh, te- was it not Terrence Gore, whatever, uh, whatever Gore, Mackenzie Gore pitched like Mackenzie Gore. Yes, dude, he got pulled in the fourth after the fourth inning, and I'm like, oh, this is great news because now we'll get to the uh, the bullpen. But I'm like. They literally are hitting singles. Even the Francisco Lador base clearing single. It's ridiculous. And but I'm waiting for. I think we've tor- been tortured enough so far this this early month and a half of the season. It's gonna change. It has to. Like eventually, they have to go on a tear, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I hope laughs> yeah, yeah. They eventually do, Pete. Yeah, it's gotta happen. <laughs> I think that baseball is such a funny game that the Mets struggling as mightily as they have against these quote-unquote bad teams and then let's say getting hot against Tampa and Cleveland would be a that's baseball kind of moment. It would be a, see, baseball, you can't predict it. They struggle against these bad teams. Now they're facing good teams and they go out and have success. I, I, I stand by they're a lot better than the way they've played, especially this lineup. They're just, to me, they're a lot better. I still look at this lineup every day. I still write it into my scorecard, and I still say, that's a good offensive team. I still see it. You just need the guys to perform more to the back of their baseball cards because you got a lot of guys besides, you know, Alvarez and Beatty, and Beatty has cooled off and Alvarez has gotten hot. You got a lot of guys in this lineup that are just not performing the way we know they can. Every once in a while, you're going to run into a guy that just loses it. I'll never forget, as a kid, Bernard Gilkey had this monster year in 1996. He was great. Uh, Him, Lance Johnson, Todd Hundley, they all had those three great offensive years. The Mets lost 91 games. So Bernard Gilkey had a great year, uh, just rounding the numbers up, 315, 27 home runs, 120 RBIs, kind of in that range. You could look it up on baseball reference, but kind of in that area. 1998 comes around, and he sucks. It just is bad. And every week or every few days, Bob Murphy would say on the radio, you know, you just know Bernard Gilkey will put the numbers up that he always puts up. And by July, I'm like, no, maybe it's not happening. Maybe either Bernard Gilkey's just having a bad season, or maybe it's done. Maybe guys just lose it sometimes. So I get that with certain players, you're going to say to yourself, and I think Starling Marte is probably the prime example of this. And I use him because he's a really good player. He had a really good year last year for the Mets, but he's also 34. He also has an injury history. I understand the Met fan a month and a half in saying, I don't know if he's going to turn it around. What have he's done? I get that. So I, I can't calm anyone down and say, don't worry, I know Starling Marte is going to be fine, but he's one of those guys that you look at his career, you look at the back of the baseball card, and he's a lot better than the way he's produced. He just is. Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso are weird because their RBI totals are still pretty good, and Pete's home run totals are still pretty good, but watching them every day, we think they can be even better. Mark Canna, as much as you want to kill him, has a back-of-the-baseball card resume, and it's better than what we've seen. And then you got the young guys that we're all very high on. 
So I look at this lineup and I still have that confidence of it's going to be really good at some point. I don't have that with the starting pitching staff. I don't think any of us do. And Pete made a really good point earlier on that Tyler McGill, I think, has been very acceptable. But when all your other starting pitchers are not giving you innings and not pitching well, then the five innings, two runs, five innings, three runs from McGill that normally would be acceptable, it's not because you need more than that. And, and that's where it's really, really tough. So hopefully they go on a run. I'm still waiting for it. I was hoping that, and still hoping that the win that they had on Friday that we just went through is the game that gets them going. We shall see. A couple of emails we'll get to uh, on, here on this, Rico. Of course, you can always email us, thericob at gmail.com. Kenneth Hahn writes, guys, been listening for a while. I finally have gotten so frustrated with the Mets that I had to write down my thoughts. All right, he wrote down some thoughts. Anyway, I'm hoping this is going to change soon. But four out of the five, the Mets originally build starters have pitched a combined 48 and a third innings. For reference, Chris Bassett, who just pitched a complete game shutout, has pitched 49 innings to date. That is crazy. The staff of Scherzer, Verlander, Carrasco, Quintana, and Senga was hailed by some preseason pundits as the best pitching rotation in baseball. At least Kodai Senga has given us some innings. He's thrown 37 of them. In terms of future pitching depth, I don't know why anyone thinks two 27-year-old pitchers who still can't regularly throw six quality innings are going to ever amount to more than being a number five. I think as Met fans are looking for a half a decade of hired guns and trades as we attempt to beef up the farm with some Angus. Hopefully the front office can work a little magic. I have my doubts. I think McGill and Peterson, and to a degree, Luke Casey, but we've seen a lot more of Peterson and McGill. I I kind of agree that what is the ceiling for both of those guys? Fifth starter? Yeah. I mean, David Peterson right now, I'd be thrilled if he looked like a fifth starter. Right now, he looks like a minor leaguer. Yeah, I man, that's just the reality. I think there's a big difference through the middle of May between Tyler McGill and David Peterson. I mean, Tyler McGill's been a lot better. No question. Yeah, I, I knew for a while their plan was they're going to continue to sign free agent pitchers. That, that is their plan. But, yeah, at some point, you're going to want young guys to contribute. Now, they do have a couple of guys in the minors. This Mike Vassal who's looked pretty good. I'm not sure how close they think he is. I also don't know with Hamill and Vassal, too, their pitching prospects, Again, if their ceiling is that high, like they seem to kind of have, and sometimes you don't know, DeGrom wasn't a huge pitching prospect. So we all know that, but it's not as if those guys would come up here with the hype of being a future ace. The future aces, unfortunately, are guys they are going to go out and sign. Uh, but for the time being, Tyler Miguel and David Peterson are being asked to start a hell of a lot more than I think any of us would have thought going into the season because they were penciled in as the sixth and seventh guys. Luke Casey was the eighth guy. And those guys are, they're more reliable pitchers in terms of pitching every five days. Like Tyler McGill pitches every five days. That's why right now, how many games into the season, if you ask me who's been their most reliable starting pitcher, it's Tyler McGill. I'd want to put Kodai Senga up there, but they don't trust him to pitch on five or six days rest. There's always a reason why he needs an extra day. You're going to love this email from Eric Martin or Eric Marin. No, no T. Eric Marin 
sit down, everybody. I'm going to warn you about this one. It's interesting, but you're not going to like it. Okay, here we go. Do you think the Mets pitching struggles has anything to do with James McCann no longer being a Met? (laughs) I love it. He also adds, and no, Omar Narvaez being hurt. The Orioles pitching staff has been much better this season with him calling games. And the Met pitching staff was pitching well before Narvaez got hurt. Anyhow, just a thought. It's so painful to watch. Pete, has the destruction of the Mets been that James McCann is no longer here? Your thoughts? No, because last year, McCann missed how much of the season? He missed a big part you of see, the you season. Can't, you, yeah, you can't even do that. They, and they pitched pretty well last year. And again, Walker and Bassett, and Bassett finally had a great outing yesterday for the Toronto Blue Jays, the first one ever of this, this season. But Walker and Bassett pitched rather well without having Narvaez or McCann. So I, I would not even come close to that. No, and it has nothing to do with that. If anything, it's more about the pitch clock. Yeah. And I, it has nothing to do with that. And I don't think it has much to do with the pitch clock either, but no, it's not James McCann. I think that if you go deep into the Orioles, like the Orioles starting pitching is not great necessarily. They've got a bunch of decent arms. Like Kyle Gibson is the def Kyle Gibson. A lot of ways, the definition of their rotation. Grayson Rodriguez is their top prospect. He hasn't exactly been great so far. Tyler Wells is pretty good. Dean Kremer's okay. Like, they don't have this rotation that's been great. A big part of why the Orioles have had a lot of success is their bullpen. Now, you want to give McCann credit for that? I don't know. I don't know. I think the the, the guys are different. We have to keep that in mind. The I'll, Met- gi- I'll, give, I'll give McCann credit for the birdbath. That's all <laughs> I'll give him credit for, yeah, we'll give which Matt. is gross. Yeah. Which is gross. The, <laughs> the Met pitching is different. I mean, think about it. Think about who has been pitching for the New York Mets this year as compared to last year. Tyler McGill is a similarity in that McGill was in the rotation earlier in the season, and he pitched really well, and then he got hurt. Chris Bassett, not here. Taiwan Walker, not here. Those are two guys right off the top that were pretty damn important in the middle of the rotation. Max Scherzer was pitching like an ace at the beginning of the season. When Max Scherzer made his Met debut, he was really, really good for the first few months of the season until he got hurt. So it's a different Max Scherzer. That's clear. Chris Bassett was really, really good. Taiwan Walker was really, really good. Uh, DeGrom, I can't even mention. He was a non-factor for the first few months. This it's just, it's just different. It's different guys. And I don't know if we have enough of a of a sample size now to say, boy, they made a mistake. Because remember. Their decision to sign Kodai Senga was, it was almost like Senga versus Bassett, right? I cannot tell you right now which would have been the better option. I know Chris Bassett's coming off a shutout, and he's pitched a lot better recently. He's older than Senga. It's still early with Senga. I don't think that comparison really can be made between the two guys. The Quintana-Taiwan Walker thing, well, yeah, he's hurt. I mean, Quintana's not pitching. So injuries suck. And and I like to say this in fairness about the older guys in the Met rotation and even like a Carlos Rodon with the Yankees. You can't sign guys who are injury prone and then complain when they get hurt. So I do believe that. But one of the reasons I liked the signing of Carlos, uh, of Jose Quintana, 
is that he has been over the course of his major league career, a very reliable, he's going to pitch every five days starting pitcher. He has. Now, there have been some moments in recent years, 2020 and 2021, where he did have injuries and he was like a different guy, almost became a journeyman. But when you look at last year, you look at the first like seven years of his career, Quintana was a reliable, he's going to make 30 starts every year kind of guy. So I wouldn't put him in the same category as the others who, hey, you signed a 40-year-old, what do you expect? You signed Carlos Rodon, what do you expect? I think the Quintana thing was just, Awful luck, but he doesn't pitch. Taiwan Walker did last year, and that's a big part of where the Met rotation is. I, I also think the catching situation is fascinating because Nito is not the same, and I'm not one to believe in every injury that I'm told because sometimes I think guys need a break, and you say, all right, I'm going to put you on the IL. Jimmy Yacobonis, yeah, they need a roster spot. Sure, I'm, maybe he's hurt. I don't know. Tomas Nito has never been this bad. He hasn't. He's never been a great hitter. He's never been a good hitter. But what we saw this year was absurd. He was a non-competitive at-bat after non-competitive at-bat. His pitch framing numbers, not as good. Throwing guys out at second, not as good. He was not the same guy in any aspect. So was it this dry eye thing? I have no idea. But for your defense to fall off like that doesn't make a lot of sense. And for your offense to be as putrid as it was compared to his pretty crappy career numbers, but not as bad as this, you start to wonder, okay, maybe there was something wrong with him. Question is, if Gary Sanchez keeps hitting in AAA, what happens? Does Gary Sanchez end up up here? And here's the appealing part of Sanchez being up here. We've talked about this for a while with Alvarez, and I guess Sanchez is relevant in this too. If you carry three catchers, you've got more of the versatility and the ability to DH one of those guys. Look at Cincinnati. Mets just played the Reds. Tyler Stevenson plays every day. He either catches or he DHs, but they carry two other catchers. So I'm not suggesting it's Sanchez and they're going to DFA Tomas Nito. I don't think they would ever DFA Tomas Nito. They love him. But could Sanchez be on the roster replacing somebody else? Maybe. Maybe. I, I would, I'm 100% down for that. I mean, listen, e- either something's going on that like Syracuse moved to like Colorado or I, something's in the, maybe they're all smoke or something. I don't know. But like everybody <laughs> in Syracuse is hitting the ball. Well, at least the, the, the every day Mauricio, I, I'm sick and tired of DeMeo. He th- t- it tweets out Mauricio has another two or three hits. Vientos has another two or three hits. Sanchez has another two, three hits. I mean, I mean, seriously, what, what's Gary? What is he, five for 12 right now? He's Something off like to a very good start. Yeah, every time I check it out, like he's put, you're right that it seems like everybody's hitting, or at least everybody that we're paying attention to is hitting. Because do you know how Danny Mendick is doing? I mean, who cares? Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not just getting updates from the Met beat reporters. I like to look at the ML. Like, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'll tell you right now. This is, this is absurd. Saturday, May 13th. You ready? I'm going to give you everybody did. Danny Mendick went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Ronnie Mauricio. You ready? 3 for 5 with a home run, his 7th of the season. He also had a double, his 15th of the season. He now is hitting 349 with a 999 OPS. 3 for 5, 3 runs scored, a double, a home run, an RBI. 
Who do you want next? You want uh, Vientos or Sanchez? Uh, give me Vientos first. Mark Vientos, two for five with a double. He is now hitting 333 with an OPS of 1,087. Oh ready for God. Gary Sanchez? Give me the Kraken. One for two, three walks, an RBI, and a run scored. In a small sample size, he is hitting 462 with a 1,478 OPS. And he's walking, too. He could take vocal back spot. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Gary Sanchez catching down there, too. So he's not there DHing or anything like that. He's catching. Yeah, they're all hitting, man. Every time you check those three. <laughs> now, Sanchez is a part of it. It used to just be, let's check it on Mauricio and uh, Ventio. I'm, I'm mixing them up together. Mauricio and Vientos. Now we check in on Gary. Hey. They're giving you options down there. All right, a couple of quick thoughts about the weird doubleheader on Sunday. Max Scherzer is going to start the second game. The Mets are going to try to piece together the first game. They can add a guy to the roster. Brooks Rally, I think, is available to come off the injured list, so he could be one. But you're looking at Tommy Hunter, Steven Nagosik, Jeb Brigham, Dominic Leone, assuming he's okay. That's how they're going to try to piece together the final seven innings or six innings of the first game. And the second game is Max Scherzer, which means they need innings out of Max Scherzer badly. <laughs> what a disaster. What I a mean, disaster. We, you know what where's they... Ju- <laughs> where's Jimmy Yacobonis when you need him? <laughs> yeah. The other option that they have, I want to throw this at you real quick because it just hit me. The other option is David Peterson. David Peterson is slated to start on Monday. Okay, and they're giving everybody an extra day. Justin Verlander is being pushed back. Kodai Seng, of course, is being pushed back. David Peterson is not one and done the way we thought. He's pitching Monday. Maybe you use Peterson on Sunday. And then you figure out Monday. (laughs) And then Jose Budo starts Monday or, or somebody else. Maybe you use Peterson, whether it's to just take over the suspended game, or maybe it's just in case Scherzer struggles a lot in his start. But I think you could also throw David Peterson into the mix on this. Remember, David Peterson started on Tuesday. That was the start he made. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That'd be his regular rest. So you wouldn't be asking anything crazy from him. So you could use Peterson in one of the two games. And I don't think they're going to go back to to moving Verlander and Senga back because once you've already made that commitment, Verlander's already preparing to pitch Tuesday, not Monday. So then you piece together Monday. So keep that in mind. That could be an option too. You, you Who's supposed to pitch in AAA on Monday? I don't know. I got to well, check because that out. I, but but, but I, I know this is stupid, and I'm not trying to say throw away a game, but at that point in time, you, you're better off because you it's impossible to have three back-to-back bullpen games in two right. days. It, re- it really is. So your best bet is to, like you said, have Peterson either pick up the first game or even pick up when Max Scherzer gets pulled into the fourth or fifth inning in game two and see if Peterson give you three innings in a row and then bring up whoever's AAA starting on, on Monday, have him pitch on, on Monday and see if he can give you three or four innings. I mean, I, it's terrible to, to piecemeal together like that, but that's probably your best option. Well, I mean, they're, they're forced to because of this rain situation. Joey Lucchese, though he wasn't great in those first two innings, was going to stay in the game. And I don't know what would have happened. And keep him in mind, too, because 
He didn't throw a lot. He didn't throw a crazy amount of pitches in those two innings. So not that he could help them out on Sunday or Monday, but he could be involved in some way, assuming they don't option him to the minor leagues, which is on the table. He could be used at some point next week, too, against Tampa Bay. Verlander, that start Tuesday against Tampa Bay. That's a city field debut. So that's kind of cool because Verlander, his first two starts have both been on the road. So that'll be the first crack for us to actually get to watch him pitch. Anyhow, we'll do another pod after the series is over. There are two games on Sunday. There's a game on Monday. So that pod Monday, that Rico Monday, that'll be like a full Rico with three games to digest from this series against the Washington Nationals. And then we move along, and hopefully the Mets are playing good baseball. Hopefully they can build off what was a nice win Friday night. We appreciate the emails, the Rico B at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, one thing about that. I asked last time on the Rico, let's play the game. Bases loaded two outs. Who would you have used? Would you have let Marcana remain in the game? Would you have gone to Luis Guillorme the way Chavez slash Buck Showalter went and all the other options? It was unanimous, which was stick with Canna. So despite Canna grounding into the double plane inning earlier, I think everybody agreed of, of the options. They were not great options, but of the options, it would have been screw it. Just stick with Canna. They didn't. It was Luis Guillorme. He did not come through. And the Mets lost. Anyhow, we appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Bronia. Again, Monday after the series is over, we'll give you another brand spanking new edition of Rico. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>